Life Audio. Hi, I'm Cynthia Garrett, and welcome to Girl Club. We'll be right with you after these messages. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hi, everybody. I am Cynthia Garrett, and welcome to Cynthia Garrett's Girl Club. We're excited to be with you this week to continue a conversation that we have been having the last couple of weeks, um, really and truly trying to go back to our first love. How do we re-fall in love with Jesus? How do we remember not to become that lukewarm person, you know, that contributes to being a lukewarm church? And, you know, as you know, when you join us here, we're Real girls having real talk about real issues while always seeking and struggling and striving and praying and trying to apply real faith. And I say it that way because, because it really is, a, it's, it's a battle to have faith in the world today. It's a battle. Um, it's a fight that you, you, I often feel that I'm waging daily, not, not only to have, you know, to to teach other people how to have faith, but to have the kind of faith that I want to have for myself and for my own life. So I'm going to dive right in just with a real quick reminder of where we've been in this conversation. We sort of started talking about, well, how do you fall in love with Jesus? You know, we kind of talked about the, the first thing being what we do here every week, surrounding yourself with other people who love Jesus surrounding yourself with more mature believers. If you surround yourself with people who are stagnant in their relationship with Christ, if you surround yourself with people who don't know Christ, if you surround yourself with people, even worse, who believe in something completely contrary and opposite to Christ, you will find yourself out of love with Christ. Whether you want to be or not, you'll find yourself adrift in the ocean, in the middle of nowhere going, how did I get here? Who am I and what do I believe? And you end up kind of quenching your first love, you know? So that in and of itself is an important point to look at. You got to surround yourself with others who love Jesus. Now, the second thing we kind of got into was committing yourself to consistent Bible reading. And, And that is actually more than just our morning daily devotional. We got to read and study the word. Because it's only in reading and studying the word of God that you really stay out of those scary, insecure places where you question your faith and you question whether or not you're loved. You question who Jesus is and what Jesus did for you. Like the questions begin to get louder than the answers when you're living in the question zone, this world, and not living in the answer zone, which is in the word of God. We also hit on praying without ceasing, you know. And prayer being that constant dialogue that we walk through life with. We talk to him everywhere we go. It, it, it doesn't have to be some formal thing because he's your father. My son doesn't need to have a formal way that he calls me to have a conversation with me. My niece, Summer, who's a part of Girl Club, doesn't need to make an appointment to talk to me or to be perfect to have a conversation with me. So we're going to pick up here as we go from that to the next thing that I'd like to talk about also today, which is remembering his presence. So I want to I want to welcome in studio, first of all, Nova Page and Christina Boudreaux. 
And I'm going to shift around here and Summer Garrett. Joining us today for this conversation. And so you guys know Summer's actually here with me in the house. So in studio. So I get to have her here. Um, and Nova, it's good to see you. Uh, I, I, I skipped with the lengthy introductions today. Anna, I know you'll run them on screen so people know how to follow Nova and Christina Boudreaux. But you guys, for all of you Girl Club regulars or anyone new, you know that both Nova and Christina have longtime relationships with the church. They're both ministers, pastors. They are shepherds. Um, Nova's a really talented singer-songwriter with an incredible gift and company that does interior design. So God uses us all over the place. He uses our skill set and our talents. And um, Nova, we've been praying for you. Mm, thank you. I know you had, a, you know, you just lost your mom. Yeah. And- that's been a big thing to transition from and through. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. It's been, it's been a, a little bit of a wild ride. That's for, that's for sure. Going through mother's day and even father's day, just going, Ooh, you know, but you know, really to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. And so I know that both my parents loved and honored the Lord with their lives. And it's so amazing to, watch my children and see that that really is their legacy uh, that they left is uh, my mom was a true prayer warrior. And even when she was not, you know, fully didn't have all her, um, her whole mind, we'll just say her first go-to, even when she couldn't remember things was like, I'm just going to pray about that. So it was so on her mind and her tongue that there was nowhere else that she could go. And often they say, even when people have, she had dementia, you know, they will be like, who's Jesus and what's prayer? And she never lost that. And I think it, it was something that I really held on to. And so just moving from like listening to you guys, I know you've walked through, you know, pray without ceasing that definitely was my mother. And um, she really did teach me to go after the heart of God and go after the presence of God. And so I just, I sit here actually in just so much gratitude for this conversation because, you know, this, um, this season of our life has been one where, you know, where else could we go but Jesus? Where else could we go but go after his presence? And um, there's just nowhere else that we could go. It's it's easy to want to fill our lives with other things that present us with presence. Um, but you know, uh, there isn't any, any other way. There is no other place. So I, I just, I'm sitting back super grateful and a little bit pensive this morning. It could be that I need a little more coffee, but, uh, Mm -hmm. I just, I'm, I'm sitting in gratitude for sure for this conversation. And I think as a worship pastor, you know, for many years, uh, it was really my job. And I, I I knew that God was like, you know, it wasn't about singing songs and it wasn't about performance. Those, although I I think sometimes it's easy to slip into those things, even um, unintentionally, but it was really my, my, I'd say my job to set a table so that people could eat a meal with Jesus in the presence to draw people, lead them into the throne room, not follow me, um, you know, but um, really follow him and be in his presence. And so I know one of the ways that I can do that is, you know, as a worshiper is through music, you know, and singing out, maybe not even the most popular worship song, but I've even gone back to the old hymns and been really enjoying the truth in written in the old hymns. And my, my daughter and I, my mom's memorial service were able to put a little, we did a little ukulele duet and um, we, we went back to the old hymns and uh, it was just really, really sweet. Cause man, it's really, those songs were written with such depth and yeah. um, it was just really, really a cool experience. And knowing that sh- my mom was actually in God's presence as we were singing that. So it was, it was very cool. I felt like we were joining the angels and singing, you know, uh, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. Now that's so beautiful. worthy, yeah. so worthy of, of our worship and our praise. So, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. You know, it, it one of the one of the things that we have written here, you know, when we talk about remembering his presence is, you know, to remember that not only is Jesus with us at every moment, but he dwells inside of us through the spirit. And the problem is that we're incredibly forgetful. So the very God of the universe is with us in our best and worst moments, and we often don't even realize it. And one incredibly helpful discipline, and I love this because I've done these throughout my life, is to create simple methods of reminding yourself that Christ is with you right now, in the right now, even right now, right? Maybe it's putting up post-it notes in strategic places where you can run into them throughout your day, or it could be as simple as setting an alarm. I often say this on your phone that will go off and um, every couple of hours or every hour as a reminder, and maybe you stop and you say, you know, just say a two minute prayer, you know, thank you, Jesus. I know you're with me. I know you're here right now. I give you this moment, you know, um, things to really connect you in with this presence and, you know, dwelling in the presence of the Lord is really largely a case of remembering that he's there. And, you know, Nova, I can't imagine like what you've gone through because I think you're, you've been living in a constant reminder that he has to be there because you need him to get through the moments of loss and transition and, and joy. And, you know, mm-hmm. is that, is that kind of your experience of this? Yeah, I, it, it, I mean, it absolutely is. I, you know, sometimes I, I think you're right. Just remembering that Christ has been with us um, and will be with us. Like he's already been to the places of our future losses. He's already been to the moments where he knows that we need him, you know? And I think what I, you know, and, and not to sound like a broken record, because sometimes that can default as that victim mindset where something happens to you, but really like much of life happens for us so that we move closer um, to dependence on Christ Mm -hmm. and that dependence, you know, draws us that need to be close. That's what draws us to his presence. And it's in his presence where we find strength and grace and humility and um, everything we need to operate in a world that is vastly void of all of those things. And so in his presence is where we find the peace that we need to move out uh, uh, in the chaos. And the chaos can be going on all around us, but his presence, if we just focus in on his presence, that is where there's strength and there's dignity in being a follower of Christ and a disciple of Christ. And so, yeah, I, I, Man, I, this, you know, going back to not being a broken record, you know, in one year I lost, um, I guess in a year and a half, I would say I lost my best friend. We lost our position in ministry. Uh, you know, we, we, I lost my mom later, lost my best friend to a move. Yeah. Lost the business or whatever, like all these losses, but I think the enemy would have me focus on that. And what I gained was um, strength and knowing I could do really hard through things, not because I was so great, but because God was great in me and through me. And apart from him really knowing that I can't, you know, do really much. And, uh, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me that strength. And again, the only way that that happens is if, that utter reliance and dependence um, on God's presence and his truth, because in his presence is truth because he is truth. And so no lie and no weapon formed against me could prosper um, because he is truth and he always will be who he says he is um, from now and into eternity. And so that I find that is my strength and that is my song and he has become my fortress and I feel um, incredibly blessed that God has um, he's turned my sorrow into dancing yeah wow Nova that's beautiful and 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 um and a hard-won victory you know 
I know it's a hard one victory. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I think about the saying, you know, nothing worth, what is it? Nothing worth having is, isn't worth fighting for. Is it that? Yeah. Everything worth having is worth fighting for. And I really think, yes, everything worth having is worth fighting for. And I think about that in relation to what you're saying and in to staying in love with Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. in the world that we're in today, um, we have to fight for it. You know, I was kind of, I was saying that earlier to someone um, in an interview, actually, uh, she was asking about faith and, you know, and, and, and I said, well, it's, it's sometimes it's a fight to keep your faith, you know, because the world wants to steal your faith. Circumstances want to steal your faith. Everything about the system that we're in, in most of our nations is set up to make you dependent on man and unbelieving in God, you know? And so it is a battle, you know, to stay in faith and, and to stay in love, you know, more, most importantly, you know, which we've been talking about because it's really being in love, you know, that, that like revelation, you know, is so beautiful because, you know, here you, you have the author saying like to the church at Ephesus, like, I know you've done some good things and you've been discerning and you've, you've sniffed out those bad leaders and you've fought the good fight, but I have this against you. You've lost your first love, you know? And I guess to me, it was really, this is always an important conversation, especially as it relates to our identity as believers, because it's that first love that keeps you excited and passionate and keeps you going back. And yes, discipline comes into it. And obedience is better than sacrifice. And yes, there are seasons, I think, where you're in the battle to stay on the wall and to continue building that wall of faith for yourself and for others. But I also think that we need those moments where we're filled up on our first love. You know, we need those encounters. It's interesting, Cynthia, because I honestly, my I would say my very first true love was, is really my husband. Like I, mm-hmm. um, if I'm, so I, I mean here on earth, right? So yes, Jesus is my first love. And what has it taken for me to remain and stay um, in love with my first love? It is, you're right. It is the discipline. It is speaking out the truth over that love. It is the remembrance of what was and what could be. It is gratitude it is celebration for the wins and the beautiful things that have come from it. It is the things that, you know, have come from our love, which is our children. So, and then, and then sewing into that. So that, that idea of first love and going back to first love, I think it is knowing what you had and what you have and what you can continue to have if you, um, you know, we always say, my husband and I do a podcast called Marriaging. And what we always say is that a, a marriage that is, isn't growing is dying. So what you don't feed gets ignored. Ooh, and, and you know, so, um, so what we don't, if, if we're really looking at man, Jesus being our first love, then we got to feed that we got to nourish that we got to nurture that. Like, it takes attention. It takes planning. It takes foresight, you know, to like, what, when am I going to spend time with him? What does it look like this year? I think it can, we can turn it into this excitement as opposed to humdrum. Like, well, I know he's always going to be there. It's like, yes, he is, but don't take advantage of that. You, you don't want a healthy marriage doesn't work that way. So why do we think our relationship with the Lord can work that way? Well, you know what? He's, he's good. Hallelujah. And amen. I'm just going to do this over here. And so, um, you know, that is my prayer in my heart that I would pay attention to my love. And I call my husband, my love, but Jesus is my first love. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the beautiful thing, and the Lord showed me this years ago, the beautiful thing about your husband is, is that he is a representation of Jesus in your life on earth. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's where I think girls get it so wrong today 
So if we, you know, if we, I mean, if we bring it into a sort of kind of a, even a contemporary speak that, you know, many of you can understand, like women make the guy the thing. They don't make Jesus the thing. When Jesus is the thing, then the guy has to line up under the thing. And when the guy is a part of the thing, the thing is working, (laughs) you know, and it is, it's, it's so true. And the, you know, the Lord really showed me the greatness of the love that he's given me is that he's man, he manifests himself through the way my husband loves me. And I think that is so, you know, look, Summer, we just came back from a wedding, right? And I think Summer had, we talked about a lot of different revelations you had about the wedding and about, you know, watching Teddy and Emery get married and stuff you want for your life. And she's, you know, in her life, a, a single young girl and, you know, thinking about dates and things like this. And, 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 you know, how do you, we were talking about the importance of this. Like if, how do you go into even dating someone? It has to be that you're going into it, seeing them as they belong to God, not me. They may or may not be the guy that's supposed to be my husband because I need to see what their relationship with the Lord is about. And because I carry the seed of Jesus, I, I probably need to see them as a mission field because maybe I'll, maybe the only reason why I'm going out to coffee with them or dinner is so they can get saved, you know? And so I don't know. I'm curious to get your opinion about, about that one. Yeah, I think everything that we do is for the Lord. I, I saw something recently and it was like when you really have a heart for the Lord, you no longer think that people are for you. You think that they're for the Lord. And so I think that that's how I just approach everything now, even friendships. I found myself reaching out to friends because I felt spirit led to do that. And um, I see how me going into it, thinking how can God have his way in the situation has changed the dynamic of the friendship. It's changed my intention with it. And you also go into your relationships thinking like, standing strong in what you believe in and not falling for like you're not conforming to the behaviors and the customs of the world you go into every relationship friendships like a day or anything like that standing firm in what you believe in and then letting the lord have his way and also seeing you know just being sensitive to the spirit for any opportunity to minister to lead to give godly counsel um so yeah. Yeah. I, I'm reading Romans 12 too, which is on screen if you're watching us live stream and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And it is always so interesting to me that that scripture is from Romans because I think so much of what I see in the world right now, I kind of often go, whoa, I mean, it, I, you know, it, is God giving us over to a total Romans you know, one or judgment where it's like, okay, you want your sin, go for it. You know, you want to see what your sin produces for you, go for it. You want to see what being out of love with me gains for you, nothing, you know? And I often am praying like, Lord, don't let us be in that place because, you know, it's like, Nova, you kind of, you mentioned, you know, having to feed, you have to feed your love you know, in order for it to grow and to be healthy and to nourish it. And I think we live in a, in, in, in a world that is very distracted, feeding itself everything but the right food. You know, look, Jesus said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth out of the mouth of God, right? Well, we're, we're feeding ourselves social media. We're feeding ourselves, you, you know, I even try to be careful how much I watch of politics because I know I have opinions that line up with the word of God about everything I see, even politically, but I also don't want to make a steady diet of only that because you can get hopeless. You know, you can get hopeless if all you're feeding on is the the negativity, you know, or the bad things that happen to you. You know, if you feed on the loss, you'll be consumed in the loss in your life. No, Instead of yeah. consumed by the blessings of the lives that have now gone on to glory. Yeah. 
it's just a man. That's so true, Cynthia. It, I mean, I, I don't have a lot to say except for just that's a huge exclamation point. Like that is that is what we all are, you know, as believers. Like that's what we're longing for. That's what actually we're looking for, right? Yeah, yeah. Boudreaux, how do you keep from falling out of love with your first love? And how do you? Yeah. And how do you remember his presence? You know? Yeah. You know, I think um, there was, I was actually going through, um, I was going through uh, just like different scripture last night, but there was a scripture that came to mind in in Isaiah 28, 28. And it basically talks about how um, unless the grain is crushed, it cannot make bread. And I just have been thinking about the whole like wheat, you know, and how when the wheat has to be beaten, you know, for the separation and then the winnowing, you know, so the chaff can blow away and then it has to be ground to finally make the flour to make bread. I just, you know, in my life, I can honestly say that I've gone through many, uh, many beatings, you know, like that stick that has to be beaten, you know, like on the wheat, that has been my life, like the separation of very painful things. Cause you know, even scripture talks about how, you know, when the grain is, you know, grows up like with the wheat, like it really, it has to like be fully grown so that you could separate it, you know, effectively. And I feel like there's been so many things in my life that the Lord, it's like that, that kernel of grain has to be separated from the chaff, like so many things in my life, you know, and my favorite part about that whole process is like the winnowing process, right? Like when the farmer throws up the chaff and the grain together to the wind and the wind takes away the chaff and the grain falls. I feel like that's such a normal rhythm in my life because that chaff has been, you know, church communities, friendships, ministry, possessions, you know, it's been loss, it's been family, it's been so many things. And sometimes things that we think are good, the Lord um, actually separates from us so he could grind us down to do a new work in our life. And it's been that constant separating of the wheat in my chaff and wheat from the chaff in my life that has kept me so raw and so humble and so dependent on the Lord. Like I literally last night had a moment where I was like sitting in, you know, just my, my house. And I was actually, no, but I was like, you know, just learning different songs on my guitar and I was going through different hymns. And one of my favorite ones is come thou found, you know, where they say, take my heart, Lord, take and seal it for thy courts above. Like I had a moment where I was really saying, God, I've gone through just back to back suffering back to back of the winnowing of the of the the chaff from the wheat back to back grinding of the grain to make flour in my life and to be honest the way I stay close to the Lord and the reason why I believe I've stayed so close to the Lord is because life is truly a series of walking through deep valleys then you go to the green pastures and he takes you back to the valleys And the valleys every year in my life get deeper and more painful. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful for the valleys. You know, I'm thankful for the chaff, the people, the possessions, the family, the church communities, the ministry people that he's removed in my life. Because the grain that I have from all of those seasons, the Lord was showing me last night, like, Christina, you have really good grain over the last 33 years of your life that I am now in this season going to grind down to produce something new. And that's what the Lord does. He doesn't remove to not do a new work in our life. And I truly believe I'm finally in that season, kind of like how Joseph went from the season of like the pit in the prison to now be brought to the palace. I believe I'm finally in that season, but even before Joseph went from you know, the prison to the palace that there was a season of two years where he felt forgotten about, right? Where he told the bread maker guy, like, hey, don't forget about me. And he, they forgot about him. But there was a certain time that God appointed for him to be brought to the palace for him to receive his blessings. There was a time for Job to receive his double portion. 
there is a time for Esther to go before the king. There's a time God appoints for that, but in the waiting, he wants us to draw close to him. In the waiting, he wants us to draw near to him and to come back to that first love because once you go to the palace, that's a busy season. Like once you receive your double portion, life changes and it's in those naked seasons with the Lord that are just so precious. Like even like a simple thing, right? Like my friend and I went to this coffee shop called Daydream Surf Shop in um, Newport Beach a couple, like couple weeks ago. And there was these, you know, sandals, kind of these hippie sandals that are made in India called um, like Mohinder sandals. And I lost all my shoes and I was like, dude, like I have a pair of Birkenstocks that are like on their last leg, dude, those things are like falling apart, dude. And and I'm looking at like, I have a trip to India in July. I'm going to be for three weeks in Chile in August. And I literally was like, Lord, I would love like those Mohinder sandals. And so being the idiot that I am, cause I'm like, you know what, dude, I got nothing to lose. Cause I've lost everything. I screenshotted a photo and I put it on my Instagram story and on my Facebook. I was like, if anyone wants to get these sandals for me, they're like $165. But I was like, you know what? Like they, they're real leather. They're made in India. They're like really cool hippie sandals, like these little flats. I was like, I would be the happiest girl in the world. And I had some very close people in my life that were like, Christina, we're going to get you those sandals. And it was my spiritual parents and my spiritual dad actually just lost his job, but he still Venmoed me like 180 bucks so I could get these sandals. And I'm just like, Lord, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so I think it's in those seasons of loss, even in my life where when I don't have a lot, that I'm more willing to give right freely, kind of like my spiritual dad. But I also am in a position where it's humbling to receive. And mind you, me posting those sandals was just me being like a stupid hippie being like, Hey man, if anyone wants to bless me. And then when he Venmoed me, I obviously took it down, but I was just so blessed that the Lord was just teaching me like Christina, like when you're in seasons of need and lack, you can truly receive my blessings, you know, and my love in a deeper way because you appreciate it more. But when you're in a season of abundance and blessing, you might not appreciate it as much as the seasons of lack. And so I'm really stoked to get my samples. Um, Cause I went to ground zero. <laughs> you know what? You know what, CB, what's so funny about what you're saying is he it, he likes that total dependence on him. Yeah. I mean, the best way to stay in love with your first love is for him to be everything in your life. Yeah. I mean, your great provider, your great healer, your great friend, your great God, your, you know, how, how great he is. And it, and you know, you're, you were laughing, but yeah, I've had those moments, man. And I'm, Oh, I hope I don't have them again, but you know, like, Oh, I have where it's just like, God, you know, I need to do X, Y, and Z. Don't know how that's supposed to happen. And then he provides exactly what you need. And you're like, like, wow, that was kind of silly. I mean, even down to like dresses, yeah, like wanting to be more modest, right? Like, I don't want to speak for you, but some are kind of in her relationship with the Lord was like, I want to be a godly girl. I want to present myself in a certain way and be more mm-hmm. modest. And I don't know. And then it just, he just provides. Provided for that. So yeah. true. And I think there's something about keeping him as your first love that when you really experience the Lord, you can't like, you just can't not have him in your life after that. It's like, I just can't live without him. And the times that he's been my provider, the times that he has come through for me, the times that he has protected me, the times that he has been my comfort, that whole resume has built such a powerful relationship with the Lord that I can't even imagine going through life without him. Like, even when something good happens, even if there's an overflow of good things, I'm just like grateful because I know it's God. Even if there is bad times, I know that my strength comes from the Lord. So I just feel like once your heart changes in that way and you really experience the Lord, like you won't be able to, even if you were to go away from God for, you just won't, it won't be for long because you just know how blessed your life is like on a good day, on a bad day. You just know how blessed it is to have a relationship with the Lord. So it would, 
I just feel like from that place, it's so hard to even ever go astray or not be in love with the Lord. And I think in those times where you do depend on him and your faith is built, that your love is also built too. So it's really hard to ever stray away, even if it is for a little bit, you'll always come back to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's like I've tasted and I've seen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where, where can you go from, you know, such, such a great love, you know, and and it's, you know, and I got to tell you guys, you know, it's not easy some days to, you know, Margaret, I love what she writes. Seasons of struggle are no joke, but it is encouraging to hear that the Lord said, you have really good grain, Christina, because you've endured and not given up. Amen. Because I was just going to say, like, seriously, um, thank you for that call in, write in comment, um, Margaret, because it is hard. Like, you know, the reason why I, it even hit me and Anna to like, hey, let's spend a little time and let's celebrate our first love. Let's figure out how to, you know, it's the core of our identity is this first love. How can we reconnect with our first love? How can we walk in our first love? And because we've been through so much, you know, I mean, people go through a lot. Like I am aware there are people listening who are having troubles, real troubles every day. And we've, you've watched us go through some real troubles every day. Every time I think, you know, we're not going to have another surgery every time. Like I literally, I, I mean, it was like, oh, get two weeks into thinking there's some relief and then only to find out, no, they made a mistake. <laughs> there's no relief. And you're going, you know, your husband's going back in for another surgery or, oh, there's something wrong, you know, health wise, I don't feel good or it just, it's people have stuff, you know, we're going through stuff all the time, loss and, and stuff, real stuff around this world. And I just think that the best way to get out of the focus on all that stuff is to actually go back to your first love and remember how loved that you are and how loved we all are by the God that we've chosen to serve. And that's real. You know, it's very real. I mean, there's, I'm going to go, I'm going to read something, you know, just as we kind of round into the back, into the home stretch here. Cause one of the other ways, you know, besides remembering his presence, one of the other things that's recommended in this study. And I, and I love this cause I think I just said it to you the other day, find ways to serve others, find ways to serve others in, in the parable of the sheep and the goats, Jesus separates the good sheep from the goats based on what they've done for others, right? He tells the sheep that every drink of water that they gave to someone who was thirsty or every stitch of clothing, let me get this right, every stitch of clothing that they gave to the naked was a kindness that they did for him. So as he told them, whatever you've done for one of the least of your brothers and sisters, you did for me, Matthew 25, 40, right? So it's fairly self-evident that if you want to manufacture more positive feelings towards someone, you just start doing nice things for them. And as we serve others, it does something inside of us. Our attitude toward them begins to shift. The good news is that by serving others, we're also serving Jesus. And knowing that transforms the smallest acts of service and aligns our hearts with him too. And some days, you guys, today and this morning was one of them. I'll wake up and I'm spent. I'm emotionally drained. I'm emotionally spent. I'm like, you know, Lenny has a lyric in his song, Sister, which is a song that he wrote for me when I was living through my experience in Italy. That is the subject of my testimony, Prodigal Daughter, Journey Home to Identity. Actually, I think the lyrics are in the book because it's so powerful. But one of the the most powerful lyrics says, when they knock on your door, you already gave. And it was kind of like the family joke with his mom, my mom, Roxy, forever. She's like, baby... That is the lyric to end all lyrics. When they knock on your door, you already gave. And I I keep that with me all the time. And it's sort of a tongue in cheek thing, but it's a very deep statement because a lot of us feel like the devil has knocked on our door and we've already given. Like we have given and we have given and oh crud, he took the door. Like, I mean, like, you he know, took like, the house. <laughs> he took the house. Like how much more do we have to give, you know? When, do, when does it pass over our door? And 
for me, the only way to deal with that reality of life is to actually keep going back to this is the Jesus that I know. This is the God that I serve. He loves me. And I want to reconnect with all of the reasons why I fell in love with him and all of the reasons why I know he loves me. Because right now, love is the greatest force that is going to get me through this angel of death that is knocking on my door. And I'm telling you, it, it's like, it's really, it's easy to preach it. It's really hard to live it. Mm. You know, it, it is. It's really hard to live it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be real with you. I'm preaching it right now and I'm preaching it going, I don't really want, and let a cup pass from me, Lord, you know, make my husband healthy, make, you know, make, make my family healthy, keep us whole, you know, like it's, 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 it's like preaching a gospel that you hope doesn't touch you, you know, the negatives of it doesn't touch you. And, um, and even in that, you know, we just, you, you kind of go, okay, well in that it might. And in that Lord, let me be ready. You know, let me be strengthened. Let me be, let me be in love with you. And, and please don't take your heart and your eyes off of me because the only thing that's going to get us through some of the things that we go through on this earth is the love of Christ. You know, it's the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. Yeah. You know, Cynthia, I think it's, you know, even when I think of what Nova has gone through, you know, just the, the loss of a, of both her parents, you know, and just having Mother's Day and Father's Day just happen, Nova, you know, I, I wonder how have you been able to navigate just that vacancy, like in your heart, dude, like in your soul, because that's a very real loss. Like, when you lose, when you've now lost both of your parents, like that is, that's hard, dude. And like, how have you practically been able to navigate that? Or what has practically helped you to endure that daily? Because it's a daily thing, I'm sure. Yeah, that's a very... It's quite, that's a loaded question. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I appreciate it. It's, it's a very thoughtful question. Um, you know, there's a couple things. I think I have women around me who point me to actually, you know what, a really cool thing that I, I think has been really helpful. And this is just a really practical thing. This isn't like some deep spiritual thing, but, you know, I learned something really powerful about when people lose a parent or a child or, you know, whatever. And in my experience, both my parents, when someone came to me and said, man, I'm, I'm so sorry about your loss. Would you tell me about your mom? Would you tell me? And I was able to really celebrate her and share about her. And, you know, Jesus cares about us just like that friend asking me, like he cares so deeply to know, would you just tell me about that? Would you tell me about that daughter? And um, that has been a really practical way that actually my friends have been there for me is just to ask me, about my mom and ask me about my dad. Um, and, and, you know, for very, you know, very obviously, yes, I'm spending time in the word and I'm journaling and I'm writing and I'm praying and I'm thinking, but even just yesterday, you know, without, um, any prompting, you know, I have a 10 year old daughter named Shiloh and a 22 year old son named Elisha. And, you know, even on Father's Day, he texted me, my son, I, my husband preached yesterday at a, at a friend's church and he texted me and he said, you know, I know it's Father's Day, but I can, I recognize that you don't have your dad today. And I just want you to know, I love you, mom. And I really love grandpa. And it was just like that, those really tangible moments where I was like, man, it's so cool to, to have that relationship with my son where he would, 
you would love me like that. And what it taught me is, man, I can do that for other people. You know, it's just such an easy thing to do to make others feel seen, you know? And so um, I know, you know, we, we kind of been talking, uh, you know, find ways to serve others. I think in service to others is, you know, we think less about ourselves and think more about the other. And um, yeah. that was one really practical way that I felt that and that I learned from that, that that's what I could do for, for others. Yeah. It's true. No, it, it's really, that. that's why I think that that's such a, such a perfect tip, you know, because when you're serving others, you can't help but fall in love with Jesus. You can't help but experience that that love encounter with him because you're experiencing it as you give it to someone else, as you minister to someone else, as you, you know, take your focus off of yourself, you know, and maybe what you're going through, which deserves focus a lot of the times. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, you're focusing on yourself and your own pain. You're horrible. No, 99% of what we're going through deserves our focus and our pain is real, but it does really help to just say, you know what? I'm not going to live in this pain. I'm going to focus on someone else who has pain, maybe a bigger pain, you know, maybe a different pain, but all of a sudden you find yourself that you're the beautiful thing about having a relationship with Christ is all of a sudden you find stuff in your heart that's coming out of your mouth and and you're overflowing into another life and you're impacting someone else positively and they're meeting Jesus and you're watching them meet Jesus and it becomes exciting again. And for me, it always makes me like, it reminds me who he is and why I loved him, you know, Mm -hmm. when he extended his love to me. So I try to extend his love to others because then that way, you know, I get to re-experience it again, you know, in some way. So the serving others thing, it kind of, you know, I used to co-host the Jerry Lewis Labor Day Telethon when Jerry Lewis was alive. For And it was, I mean, gosh, if you're in America and you're older, you remember it was a long time thing to battle against muscular dystrophy. And um, Jerry used to always tell me that charity was always for the one doing the giving. It's like you're going to get so much more, kid, every time you choose to give to these these sick children, you know? And it's true. I could go into the weekend feeling really, you know, I didn't get this show or I don't have this or I'm upset about that or I lost this or I lost that. And all of a sudden for 24 hours, my entire life was these young children who couldn't get out of wheelchairs, you know, or who were withering away. And, um, man, it certainly shifted myself off of myself. And, you know, I do think there are appropriate periods of grieving when it comes, because this is kind of a different conversation than you know, than what you've gone through with grief and loss of a, of a parent. Like, I think there's a, there's a time, like there's a season that you have to journey through the feelings, you know, the grief, grief is a real thing. You know, yeah, I think service though, Cynthia too, like service in like experiencing that grief, I think giving out in service actually helps the grief mm-hmm. because you feel like you are at least putting your pain into something that is living, right? Mm-hmm. So like even in the loss of my mom, my my precious sister Carla is so sweet. And there was a nurse that loved one of the blankets that my mom had on her bed. And in my sister's grief and loss, she was like, she just was like, oh, let me wash this for you and, and give this to you. Like in her loss, she served somebody else. And it was like funny because it was this male nurse that like loved this blanket that somebody had given my mom. And like it helped the grief and it 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 put the pain somewhere to go. There's now there's life from the pain, you know, and that yeah. is that's a lesson that I received from my sister. It's like, yes, we have this pain, but in that service, to others it it really is you get life as you give from the place of pain because mm-hmm. in that you can empathize and you can sympathize and and it, it feels beautiful yeah. to to give yeah. you know in that and in that space and I I was I was really 
like proud of my sister, you know, because she could have just said, no, everything's mine of my mom's. Like I want everything from her room and I want to keep it. And, but it was so freeing for her to give um, in that loss. And I, I loved that. I love that about my sister. She, she does that so beautifully. Oh, that's really, really, that's really beautiful. Cause no, I, I mean, that's a deep insight because I, I think my first instinct would have been to keep, no, it's my mom. I want to keep everything. I want to, but, but what you're keeping it in a storage unit or in a box Mm -hmm. or, you know, you know, and I'm sure there are certain things where it's like, even if you say I'm keeping that and I'm going to wear that forever, even that's life. But just the hoarding of everything where that would have crossed from life maybe into death. Yeah. The way I love that. That is a symbol of life. It is. And it's really what my mom would have wanted. She would, she always gave things away. I mean, Mm -hmm. there wasn't a time where I didn't watch her and my dad be so generous. And so that was just um, who she was. So I think it was very symbolic of um, she gave her life away constantly. And I watched her do it. from my childhood into, you know, the time she met the Lord. So it's pretty yeah. cool. Well, it's beautiful because it's very mm-hmm. godly because he gave, you know, and he loved, he loved us first. You know, we love because he loved us first. And, you know, I want to be faithful not to keep you past time today, Nov. And I, I, I love you guys for being in studio today. Thank you. And, and for all of you, this has, has been um, just, I think, a really sweet session this week. And, and I hope that you have been blessed by and are being blessed by some of the things that we're talking about. And I encourage you this week to write down something about the first moment you encountered Christ and the first moment that you fell in love with him. I'd love for you to share it. Um, if those of you watching would make a little video, you know, and send it in, you know, to the ministry. I'd love to know about your first moment when you fell in love with Jesus, what was your first encounter like? It's important because as the word says, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And that means the testimony of what God has done in your mess and in your pain and in your life. That's how we all overcome is by remembering that he's been alive, even when it looks like death. And um, so I just want to thank you, Noah, for sharing like the life of your mom you know, and, and the life that, that is in you. And I know it's not easy. So, you know, I love you and I want to be faithful to let you out of the studio on time today. We love you guys. Thanks for being a part of this week's episode. Remember real girls having real talk about real issues while trying to apply real faith. We'll see you guys on the next episode of Girl Club. In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.